The Onondaga Nation is the heart, the capital, the firekeepers, the central location of the Confederacy. So Syracuse University sits on very important land in a very important space in the configuration of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. This is the land you're on, acknowledging the Haudenosaunee. Interviews and conversations with indigenous community members and allies, providing the context and perspective necessary to understand the complicated history of the land you're on. Neil Paulus has filled many roles in his time at Syracuse University. I am the university ombuds and currently the highest ranking Native American in the history of Syracuse University. So I, I work specifically with the chancellor. I'm paid through the chancellor's suite. Uh, and I operate and work with all members of the chancellor's cabinet. Uh, and because of the independence of the position, have the authority and ability to communicate to board members and trustees or whoever else I need to talk to, uh, which is uh, pretty unique to have an indigenous person to be able to kind of just roam around and have those kind of conversations freely with whoever they feel needs to have the conversation. My role itself doesn't necessarily focus on any one particular issue. It's really just about uh, facilitating and managing conflict and sharing trends. I serve all grad, all faculty, all staff, and I've been a member of all of those. I've been a grad student. I was a PhD student here at Syracuse. I worked in student affairs when it was called student affairs. Now it's called student experience. And I've also been in academic affairs and student retention. Uh, and I've also taught in three of the 13 colleges. So faculty, staff, student, uh, I've done all of those things here. Paulus explains the process by which he and wife Michelle Shenandoah helped to craft land acknowledgments for a variety of organizations. Michelle and I have a consulting firm that we run together, Indigenous Concepts Consulting, and we do work with people working on their land acknowledgments, different organizations across the state and the country, actually. Nationwide, people are starting to become aware of this dynamic of acknowledging the space that their city or their building or their company occupies. So once we've kind of given people the historical understanding of why should we even consider a land acknowledgement, then we've laid the groundwork there. Okay, phase two, let's work on the dialogue. What is the text that goes with this acknowledgement? Our next question to the company is usually, what are you doing to educate the members of your organization to understand what all of those terms mean that are in the land acknowledgement? Because otherwise it just becomes performative. Yeah, because it has no action behind it, right? Or no context. It's just something they read from a card. They don't really understand it. That's Onondaga social worker and SU alum, Danielle Smith. When I hear the current land acknowledgement, I know that people don't really understand and realize, you know, the history behind the land. Dr. Sally Roche-Wagner teaches in the honors program at Syracuse. Her work examines the women's suffrage movement and the Haudenosaunee influence upon it. The acknowledgement is never sufficient. For me, the question is, okay, put your money where your mouth is. What are you going to do about this? 
The land was taken illegally. Treaties were made with New York State, which was illegal. The state could not make the treaties. And so the land on which Syracuse University and Syracuse, New York rests is illegal land. So I think the, the opportunity and the challenge that we have in this historic moment is how do we right that wrong? And I think the first step to that is enlightenment. The first step to that is understanding there now is a critical mass of non-Native people being educated by a critical mass of Native people that I think together we can affect that change. I want to see it in my lifetime. There's not a whole lot of years left, so, you know, let's get our act together as quick as we can. There has been dialogue and conversations about the land acknowledgement, and it has evolved. I think as it evolves, I would encourage Syracuse University as an institution to think about how it is actually educating all members of Syracuse University of all of those terms that are in the land acknowledgement. My name is David Seaman. I'm the Dean of Libraries and University Librarian for Syracuse University. And we have a land acknowledgement statement that we give at the beginning of every event on campus at uh, Syracuse University. I realized though that I didn't really understand what I was saying. I didn't have knowledge of the culture and history that lay behind that statement. So we reached out to Neil Paulis, the university ombuds, to see if he would come in and at a staff meeting and talk about what it meant to be the, the fire keepers of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, the Onondagan nation. He really gave us a wonderful sense of the culture and history that lay behind what we were saying, which was so good, we realized that yeah, this was something that, that everybody at Syracuse, everybody coming into the community should have as, as basic knowledge about what it means to be on Onondagan land. Land acknowledgements are an important and, and frequent way of recognizing the history of the space that you're in before it was the space that you're in, right? So before it was a university, before it was a city of Syracuse, there was a culture here that we know because it's in our names of streets and lakes and so forth, but you also lose sight of. So it's a way of reminding us that we know this was a culture of many centuries. We're sharing that same space. And it's also a way of, of honoring that history. So Syracuse's, we acknowledge with respect the Onondaga Nation Fire keepers of the Haudenosaunee on whose ancestral land Syracuse University now stands. So if we go through the terms, what is the Onondaga Nation? Well, Onondaga, the people of the rolling hills, are the original people of this land. Our land base, or our space, was basically north of Watertown to the lake down through past Binghamton into Pennsylvania. And within that space, all of our Onondaga 
communities resided in those spaces, which literally means people of the rolling hills. So if you drive south on 81, you can look to the left and right and literally see hills just, it looks like waves. It's beautiful and they're big and they're massive, but at the same time, that's the meaning of this land. That's the name for this space. And so the Onondaga, as stewards of this space, that's who we are. Onondaga Nation is a part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, which is a united group of six nations, now six, originally five. And if we go into their original names, so the Mohawk or Ganyage or the Oneida or the um, Onetiaga or Cayuga or Gayakono, right? Or the Seneca, Onendawaga, and our languages are family related. So there's some similarity and there's some nuanced differences. The Haudenosaunee Confederacy is a unified group of nations that's been in existence for over a thousand years. The exact date is often debated, but the fact that it happened during a solar eclipse and passed over the Rochester area helps to solidify an actual date of the Confederacy. Now that's just a Confederacy. <laughs> you know, when we talk about culture, language, story, ceremony, the sport of lacrosse, those all predate the Confederacy, but often they get all labeled with the same date. Oh, that, that's when all this started. Uh, no, we've been here for thousands and thousands of years, much longer than the, uh, the Bering Strait theory. And so the Onondaga Nation is a member nation of the bigger umbrella of all those others. Uh, and then in the 1700s, during colonization, we brought on the Tuscarora. So now we have the six nations. So that's how it's also often referred to. So what makes that interesting is you understand the reach <laughs> that the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, we actually reached through Ohio down to Virginia, <laughs> you know, um, and West. Basically, Onondaga Nation, member of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy, now, what does firekeepers mean? So when you understand the flag, the purple white flag that's on campus, and you understand that that's a, basically a geography map of New York State. So you have the, the Gnyange, the Mohawk, on the eastern door, and you have the Seneca, or the Anandawaga, on the western door, and you consider that a house, or a long house. So you have a long house, and you have the eastern door and the western door. And to come into the Confederacy, you have to come in through the doors. And we would push people to the doors, right? That was part of how we protected each other, is we pushed them to the doors. You want to come in, you go through these, these groups. So you came in through the Mohawks, or you came in through the Senecas. And then in the house, you would have the younger brothers, the Oneida and the Cayuga, and then you will get to the Onondaga, Onondaga. And when you got to the center in the middle and worked your way through, you made it to the central fire or the capital. It becomes the capital. So you have the, the doors are the elder brothers keeping guard and the other elder brother tending the fire. 
to make sure that everyone is warm and taken care of. The firekeepers have a very important job to maintain the relationship between all of those nations. Whenever there's a grand council meeting, all the chiefs come to our longhouse. And they still meet today as a confederacy, as a group, in the same manner that has been going on for over a thousand years. On that flag, there's the squares, and then there's this triangle-looking thing. Some say it's the tree, or the tree of peace, where they say the tree was was planted and all the roots spread north, south, east, and west, and people could take shelter under the tree of peace. Another visual is they say that it actually looks like a fire, so then hence the fire keepers. And like any good pictogram, you can flip it and move it, so if you turn it around, it looks like a heart. And so the Onondaga Nation is the heart, the capital, the fire keepers, the space of the tree of peace, the central location of the Confederacy. So Syracuse University sits on very important land and a very important space in the configuration of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy and all of its peoples. That's Onondaga Nation, Firekeepers, and the Haudenosaunee. Talking about ancestral land, Syracuse University's evolution to finding its way onto this land is a complicated history. Siguli Skanagoga, Gulichianius Neogets. My name is Michelle Shenandoah. I'm a member of the Oneida Nation Wolf Clan, and my people call me Galuhianues, which means she is fond of the sky. Within the Revolutionary War, there was a smaller war called the Sullivan-Clinton Campaign, in which Washington declared that all Haudenosaunee villages needed to be just burnt to the ground. All of the crops and all the foods and the villages and the Haudenosaunee people just pushed out by force. And it was a scorched earth campaign. And Washington stood on the far eastern shore of Oneida Lake and looked out onto what was then just Haudenosaunee territory and said, this is my empire. And now, you know, you have the Empire State of New York. People don't realize where all this history comes into play. When you talk about the stories of the Erie Canal and the settlement and all these movements that transpired in upstate New York and the story of the Haudenosaunee and our experience and influence and interactions with all of these settlers is just erased from history. Every military officer who fought in that Sullivan-Clinton campaign and burned the lands and burned out the Haudenosaunee villages was then offered a tract of land in his name. So when you drive through central New York now, you can see all these towns that were settled and they're named after some military officer because he fought in that war. And so you have this land slash attack. Speculators following through, gridding off all of our land. And our land is divvied up. Squares are allocated for Haudenosaunee communities. So the Gayakono got a square, Onondaga got a square, and the Onondaga, Onondaga, we got a square as well. That square included up to about the middle 
of Onondaga Lake. East to Oneida Lake, south to about Tully, west to around Marcellus, and then back north again. That was our square. That was Onondaga Nation, ratified by Congress. And Ephraim Webster becomes the first settler of Syracuse, and he befriends the Onondagas and actually takes a wife and has children. And, and then as more settlers and sophistication and civilization show up, he decides to disown his indigenous family and takes on a new wife and new kids and passes on all resources and land that he has acquired to his non-indigenous family members. So Webster Pond down on the south side and valley are all part of what becomes Ephraim's engagement in treaties with the Onondaga Nation in New York State. The Haudenosaunee had treaties with the French, the English, the Dutch in the United States. And the Constitution then ratifies that all treaty agreements are law of the land. And so land speculation happens on this nation space. And it's discovered that there's different types of resources on the Onondaga Nation land that people want. Over the course of the next 20 years or so, Ephraim Webster becomes a negotiator for the gridding off and land treaty between New York State and the Onondaga Nation. None of these treaties are ratified by the United States Congress. So technically all not legal. <laughs> Every one of them. So. The Onondaga Nation gets gridded up, and over the course of a variety of five treaties, land is negotiated away, allowing the space for the city of Syracuse to currently exist where it is, and for the Onondaga Nation's current borders to exist. And Ephraim Webster was not only taking financial gain from these negotiations, but then lopping off pieces of land for himself. So. Uh, the Onondaga start to realize he's not their friend. And one of those squares that he lopped off for himself is that little weird box <laughs> that disappears in the Onondaga Nation, which is where the southern part of the town of Onondaga now exists. So when he left, he took it and said, no, that's not yours anymore, it's mine, and it's my white kids. So the Onondaga Nation lost that square as well as part of that, those negotiations. I think it was 800 acres or something like that. Once the land is divvied up and squared off and these contracts are then negotiated with New York State, now individual people can start to buy the land. And one of those land purchasers is Comstock. And so a square is purchased, a school is placed on that land, which becomes Syracuse University. And it hasn't moved. It's still there, right? Still the same square, still the same space. And the roads represent that. Interesting how that journey transpired. So my assumption, understanding maps, 
would be that the line that he purchased would be on Comstock because the other side of it is City Park. So when we start to think about the grids and the city and how it got divvied up and, and why, right? So why did these things happen? Resources, salt. That was the justification for gridding up the land and selling it. And it was purchased knowing that there were valuable resources in that land space that would be acquired. And that becomes the inherent wealth of the city of Syracuse. So that is the land that Syracuse University now resides on, and that's part of the history of that ancestral land. Um, so when you understand whose ancestral lands, who are the original stewards of this land, then that is us, me, my ancestors, right? I'm, I'm, I'm on a daga eel. So you're talking about me and my ancestors when you make this land acknowledgement statement. And the irony is, is I had to buy my own land back to live in just off of Westcott, you know? So here I am in a house, buying my own land back to live on my ancestral lands. And that in itself is just a little strange, but it is what it is. So I like to ask people to think about where are your feet? Literally, just stop for a moment, look where your feet are, and then ask the question, whose lands are you standing upon? And how is it that you came to be in this space? What's all the history contained here? Because within this country, the real history is that you're either here because there was a treaty that allowed for that to happen, or the land was stolen. It's one or the other. And so when you begin to think about whose lands you're standing upon, then ask yourself, well, where are those people today? And is their voice, their representation, is it present in the rooms where I work and operate every day? And so if those voices aren't present, well, then how do you bring those perspectives into the way you operate on a day-to-day -day basis. Because that's how you begin to make things right. Any city that you're going into, you're gonna to have to look at the constructs of how those people ended up there, who was there before, and where are those people now? You can look at Chicago and say, where are the Illini? Your state's named after it. <laughs> but those people are not in existence there and they're not present. It's mystified, it's myth. I don't need to worry about it, I don't need to know because those people don't exist. Ancient history, and I don't need to know or represent or acknowledge ancient history, why? Why should I? I didn't do it, I didn't take your land. That's often what people say, I didn't do it. Well, the energy there exists. And so that's what the acknowledgement is. It's acknowledging what happened so that you do exist here, that you were able to buy land here. How did that happen? Because it didn't just show up where all of a sudden you could just buy a house and buy land. That was a process for that to happen. And that's the process <laughs> that the land acknowledgement is creating the dialogue around, which I think is important. It's understanding how. There's a lot of opportunity 
and Syracuse is very short land acknowledgement, and it's on Syracuse University as an institution to do that for its members. My name is Tejos Perinos Deer. I'm a Mohawk from Kahnawaga, uh, part of the Haudenosaunee Confederacy. I'm Bear Clan. I'm 23 years old. Uh, I am studying communications and rhetorical studies with a double minor in public communications through Newhouse and Native American studies. In 2019, we, we wanted to redo the whole acknowledgement because they had one, but we said, no, it has to include like the word genocide. It has to include what really happened. It can't be sugarcoated. It, it, it shouldn't be. And then the university responded saying, we can't include those. We can't include that. So, and that right there is censoring history. You know, I understand if you don't want it to be there, it doesn't help with your image and help with the brand, but you do realize what was done. At least you can acknowledge it. While its current iteration falls short of those expectations, the land acknowledgement continues to evolve at Syracuse University. Danielle Smith explains. You know, as Indigenous students, we wanted it from our perspective. And so that's why we're redoing it. This version talks more about the commitment and the relationship that SU has to the Onondaga specifically, and then also making it really clear that the land that SU sits on is stolen. Challenge the people who are listening to it to find out more about their own personal relationship of benefiting from either going to school there, working there, and you know what they can do. The Land You're On is a production of Access Audio, a storytelling initiative of the Special Collections Research Center at the Syracuse University Libraries. Produced by Brett Barry, Bianca Kayela Breed, Neil Palace, and Jim O'Connor. Post-production by Silver Hollow Audio. The Land You're On is distributed by WAER Podcasts, available at WAER.org, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Production help for The Land You're On from Cal Doherty and Kevin Claus. For further information, reading, and educational resources, visit The Land You're On Research Guide, available at soundbeat.org.